raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The 77th edition of the Four Corners podcast starts right now. Black holding high, goes to Darty. Darty and the double team, gives it back to Black with 20 seconds left to play. Goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left, good! Rebounded by Weber. Michigan out of timeout. Weber front court, Carolina with foul. He takes the timeout, they're out of timeout. Technical foul, technical foul on Michigan. Ed Corbett says he can run the baseline, hands in the ball. Brown gets it into Williams. Here comes Williams front court. Williams on the drive. Gets it back out to him. Long outside shot. Short rebounded. May. It's over. Carolina has won the national championship. 89-72. And how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champions. Matthews off the mark. And this year, the confetti is going to fall for North Carolina. They're not going to be denied this time. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Josh and Anthony back with you guys tonight. I'm going to go ahead and warn you. This is the happiest I'm going to sound for the next 30 to 45 minutes or so. As we take you through Carolina's 85-57 road loss at Miami tonight. The loss drops to Carolina, drops Carolina to 12 and 5 on the season, 4 and 2 in league play. Carolina took a 5 to 2 lead early in the game, proceeded to get outscored 47 to 17 the rest of the first half. They trailed 49 to 22 at halftime, tied for the largest halftime deficit in program history. The 28-point margin of victory was the largest ever for Miami in the history of Carolina. The previous largest margin was 26 all the way back in uh, 2014 in a game that I referenced in the preview, them running you out of the building. Essentially what happened tonight, this was the 11th largest defeat in ACC play in the history of Carolina basketball. Miami had three players. Score 20 points or more. Carolina with just one player and double figure scoring. Of their five losses, three of them have come by at least 17 points or more. And, buddy, we thought Tennessee was bad. We thought Kentucky was bad. This was worse. Carolina was down more than 30 points on the road to an albeit the first place team in the ACC, 
but an unranked Miami team at that. And there were times in the game where Carolina looked disinterested and honestly didn't look like they belong on the same court as Miami. Yeah. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, we are virtual, so it's a little bit tough to tell when you're uh, when, when you're when you're done uh, with a thought. But I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to let you get it all out because, yeah, it's uh, it's the worst game they played all season and it wasn't even close. Um, and you could tell from the word go that they were not going to be able to take a punch. Um, you came out, you got up early on, and they went on a 14-0 run in three minutes, and you had nothing for them to try to slow them down. You turned the ball over way too much. We said that coming into the game. I mean, you had nine turnovers in the first half against a team that is as good as any at creating turnovers and scoring off of turnovers. It was something that you should have known going into the game. It's that simple. You didn't execute where you needed to, and you got destroyed. Um, it's just at this point, this is this is what this team is. And now, I mean, you're talking about a team that's inconsistent. Well, I mean, I, I guess we're starting to find out that they are consistent at something. They're consistent at being good at home and not being good away from home. It's just that simple. And, you know, the problem is, look, you don't play ACC tournament games at home. You don't play NCAA tournament games at home. But right now, there's there's not much to be confident in about this team being able to go on the road and win games. And tonight it was all, it was all about the offensive mindset. I think that set a bad tone. They came out, and their mindset was to try to shoot from the perimeter and win the game that way. Mm-hmm. Um, don't care that Miami was trying to make adjustments to slow down Armando Baycott. Still got to get post touches inside because that's where you've been the most successful. If he's not the guy that's getting the post touches, then you've got to get it to Brady Manick or somebody else. But they didn't seem at all like that That was in, in the game plan. And uh, it, it's just – Honestly, at this point, it's it's beyond frustrating because you know that this team is so capable of, of being as good as they've shown at home. Um, but you also know that they're capable of being as bad as they've shown on, on multiple occasions. This team has looked really, really bad at times over the last couple of years. This is the worst game that they've played since 2010. There's no doubt in my mind about that. There have been many times this year where I've been angry. I'm angry. I'm at a loss for words. Because we saw a team the other night blow a team out that won the ACC tournament just a year ago. And the week before that, blow a team out and a team they haven't beaten in almost five years. And in less than two weeks... This is a result you get with first place on the line. And I know it's only the middle of January, but that means something. It's going to matter at the end of February going into March. 
and you weren't even competitive, and you didn't. And I think this is where the frustration for Carolina fans come in, myself included. They didn't look bothered by the result, by what was happening. And that wasn't just the players. That was on the coaching staff, too. It didn't, they didn't seem affected by the fact that they got embarrassed on national television. And we'll, we'll transition and take a look at the box score, and it's not a pretty one. Carolina shot 34% from the field, just 22 of 65. Miami was only 46%, 29 of 63. But here's where the killers come in. 46% three-point shooting from Miami. They were 13 of 28. Carolina, 20% from behind the three-point line, 6 of 30. 30 of their 65 shots were from beyond the three-point line. Brady Manick was 2 of 8. Dawson Garcia, 1 of 4. Caleb Love, 1 of 5. R.J. Davis, 0 of 3. Kerwin Walton, 1 of 8. I've praised this team for the majority of the year. They're the sixth best three-point shooting team in the country. But that hasn't been their offense. And then tonight, their first five shots, first five shots were from behind the three-point line. You were one of five. And it turned the entire game. It didn't make sense. It won't make sense as good as Carolina's three-point shooting is. And some of them were looks that you got to make, and I get that. And you would probably say six out of ten times, the guys are going to make those shots. Armando Baycott's the best post player in the conference. Don't care if he's being double teamed. Give him the ball. He's your best offense. And they became too, too concerned playing one-on-one, playing isolation, and they got beat. Um, free throws didn't really mean a whole lot. Carolina 7 of 11, 64%. Miami 14 of 22, also 64%. Turnovers, though, good God. 14 Carolina turnovers. 30 points off of those turnovers for Miami. Over two points a turnover they scored. Literally, you were handing them two points every time you turned the ball over. And on the flip side, you forced four turnovers. Four! And score five points. The disconnect in this team's defensive energy, effort, and toughness. Those three words Hubert Davis loves to say. You can't even you can't even calculate what happens when they go from Chapel Hill to what wherever they got to go. To only force four turnovers in a game, you have to literally try to not force that few turnovers. They didn't even try to play defense, and it's just mind blowing how that happens over and over again. Carolina out-rebounded Miami 45-39, to even though Miami did out-rebound them on the defensive glass 31-30, to 15-8 on the offensive rebound. So, hey, they got, they got to the offensive glass. Both teams had 11 second chance points. Carolina's bench outscored their bench 21-10. to Points in the paint, 30 to 24 Carolina. Fast break points, 13 to 4 Miami. Blocks, 5 to 1 Carolina. Steals, 10 to 1 in favor of Miami. Assists, 
Carolina had 13 assists on 22 made baskets compared to 14 turnovers. Miami, 16 assists on 29 made baskets compared to four turnovers. Let's get to the quote of the game. This is why we're a little bit later in our recording, waiting for the head coach to speak with Jones Angel in the post game. And he was point blank. I think he was honest. I'm not happy with him, but I thought this was the most vocal he's been in the post game after these type of losses. Um, he said, quote, we couldn't get into a rhythm. We couldn't get into our sets. We wanted to attack the paint, and we took our first five shots from three. So basically what he just admitted right there was we weren't aggressive enough and there was no countering the aggressiveness of Miami, which we talked about entering in the game. They were going to be aggressive. You had you had to at least try to meet that. Weren't even close. Didn't even try. You simply allowed a team to, to take your manhood and beat you down on national television and make a mockery of you. Um, when you're getting full court pressed in a 30 point game in the second half, I told you this during the Kentucky game, that shows a lack of respect the opponent has for you. This is the university of North Carolina. We're the most storied basketball program in the country. This job is better than two thirds of the jobs in the NBA. And you've got Miami full court pressing you up 30 in the second half. That's a problem. And we just went through the motions like it didn't matter. Get to the stat of the game. I think this one's pretty easy. Turnovers. As I said, Carolina, 14 turnovers. Miami got 30 points off of those turnovers. Miami, just four turnovers. Carolina got just five turnovers or five points off of those turnovers. Pretty hard to win when you give the team 30 points off of turnovers. I don't think I've ever seen a team do it in my 15 years watching basketball. As good as Carolina is and can be, they're not good to overcome that. Not many teams are. We're going to take a quick break. We'll play you this week's ad from DraftKings. And we come back. Breaking news. More yelling about another heartbreaking, disappointing, disgusting Tar Heel defeat. The NFL playoffs are here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is kicking off things with a huge offer. Counting down to Super Bowl 56, new customers can get a 56-1 to 1 odds on any wildcard team to win their game, bet just $5, and win 280 in free bets if your team is victorious. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you still have something to play for this wildcard weekend. Everyone can play for huge cast prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Co- Football Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars and total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code TBPN. That stands for the Basketball Podcast Network and get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. Bet just $5 and win 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code TBPN this wild card weekend at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. 
You must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager is required. One per customer. Restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Really hope you guys are taking great advantage of all these great offers. We have for you over at DraftKings Sportsbook. I've been giving you some on the four-corner side of things. Same for Anthony over there on the Heel Tough blog side of things. But, buddy, let's let's get back into the turnovers for Carolina. Um, I think it's been the same recipe that it's been the majority of the time this show, these show, it, this aspect of the game shows up. It's not. The, it's not the amount of turnovers that they had. It's the type of turnovers that they had. It was trying to make full court pra- full court passes that got stolen and, and taken away for layups. It wasn't being strong with double teams. It was just simply times dribbling through the lane and casually giving the ball taken away from you. It Tonight came down to a lack of carelessness, a lack of effort, a lack of, of toughness as Sheber Davis likes to say, and it, it feels like it was one step forward and then three steps back. They've, they've gotten better at this aspect for the majority of the season or for the majority of, of, of recent play. It hasn't cost them as much, but but tonight you, could, you, you can say simply, it, it's like in football if you turn the ball over four or five times where you could say that costs you the game. 14 turnovers that lead to 30 points. That 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 essentially got you beat. Factor in you only could you only forced four turnovers and got five points off of theirs. That's a 25-point difference. Well, you lost by 28. Like, I just it it didn't it didn't make any sense. And the problem is, is that I think any Tar Heel fan could tell right away it was gonna be one of those nights. Baycott four turnovers, Davis four turnovers, love two turnovers. So your three best players committed 10 or your 14 turnovers. It's hard to win that when that happens. And I don't know really how Hubert Davis stops them. He called two timeouts. You get eight free timeouts during the game. Outside of benching players, I don't know what else there is you can do. And it's still it's still a mess because the guys that came in turned the ball over to. They just didn't take care of the basketball. They cannot deal with teams that throw multiple defensive looks at them. That is just that is something they have not been able to adjust to all season, and they did it again tonight. And you know, look with with Armando. Yeah, they were they they were throwing two three guys at him. That happened, no doubt. But as you mentioned, I mean, the live ball turnovers are are, are the big issue here. Um, and, yeah, allowing 30 points off of turnovers, yeah, that's unheard of. Um, there's no way you're going to win a game that you you allow that. It's, it's impossible. And, you know, that's the, other, that's the other reason why it's so hard to force your own turnovers. When you're giving them those easy opportunities, not much you can really do about it. Um, it's just – it's amazing because going into the game, we knew that that was going to be one of the focal points for Miami. 
They were the best team in the ACC at forcing turnovers. And Carolina came out and immediately started doing the things that you didn't need to do. I mean, there were a couple times tonight where it looked like last year. Guys dribbling into turnovers. Um, you know, guys just getting double teamed in the post. Nobody trying to come and help out. Or getting doubled up top. Nobody trying to come and, and, and help out. That's been an issue that's been there you know, at times throughout the season as well, that just even when the team is one is, is frustrating. So it's just, it's a team that on the road just does not understand how to play smart basketball. And really, I, I think more than, more than even that, it's just a team that gets rattled so quickly. Mm-hmm. The minute that somebody punches you, there is no way for you to punch back. It's just that they don't they don't have a response. And they can't they can't string together like we've seen in the past. Okay, you let up an 8-0 run, but you get right back into it with a 10-0 run of your own. That just doesn't exist with this team. The once they let up a run, they're out of the game. They they can, you know, keep it at 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 you know a distance and, and try to battle back and forth a little bit, but they're never able to make a run of their own. And tonight was a, another example, but it, it wouldn't have mattered anyways, even if they wouldn't have turned the ball over their shot selection was terrible. It's the worst that I've seen from a Toriel team in as long as I've been watching a team that knew that their strength was inside, knew that Miami's weakness was inside and didn't try to attack it. And uh, again, you're right. There were open shots. I said that to you early on in the game, that there were a couple of shots that they took early on out of the gate that were open. They should have been able to knock them down. You got to be able to knock those shots down. But sometimes you're going to have an off night shooting from the perimeter. You didn't put it inside to your best player. And, I mean, I I guess you can blame some of that on the coaching staff. And Hubert Davis set it right out. That was our focus. That's a lack of execution. That's just guys not doing what they're supposed to do. That's not being smart. Uh, and there's no excuse for it at this rate. Like, well, what, what more do you need to see? This is the best player in the ACC right now. And you, didn't, you just didn't give him the ball. I mean, what the hell? Come on. Yeah, I mean, you know, like in November it was – well, it was their fourth and fifth game in a new system. And the Purdue loss wasn't bad. They competed. Tennessee, they didn't show up. And then Kentucky, it was, well, short notice opponent. Notre Dame, without two of your players, and then you switched every screen in the history of mankind. It's the 17th game. There's no, there's no excuse for that. There's no excuse for the turnovers. And there's no excuse for the shot for the shot selection. This team can shoot the ball really deep from three. There's no denying that. But that's a secondary of when the ball goes inside. And they didn't do it tonight. They didn't try to do it tonight. And it it literally ran them out of the game before the under 12 timeout of the first half. I've never seen a team that literally did the exact opposite of what you should do, the coach calls a timeout, and then you continue to do the exact opposite of what he told you in the timeout. 
You know how I feel about timeouts. I don't believe in them. You get eight free of them, eight free of them in a game with the media timeouts. But he called two of them in the first half to try to do something. It didn't work. And I, I think we've been a little quiet about this at times. There's no quiet, there's no being quiet about it now. The worst. The worst person that takes the worst shots is Brady Manning. He single-handedly took four shots that weren't the rhythm of your offense that led to transition buckets tonight. Four. The, the, the ones that love in Davis Forest, that's because you're late to your shot clock and you have nothing else to do. So you have to take that bad shot. And the other night against Georgia Tech, when they're going in, they look like good shots. They're not good shots. You're just making bad shots. And that's a part of the game as well. But tonight's shot selection was was the worst I've seen in maybe my entire life. And I'm not I'm not overreacting. I got a lot of negative feedback on Twitter that I was being dramatic. What's there to be dramatic about? This this team has lost three games by 17 points or more. There's a common denominator in that. I'm pointing that out. It's not me hating on the players. It's not me hating on the head coach. It's me just saying. We have a problem, and it's not just a this-year problem. It was a problem last year, and it was a problem the year before that. But this team isn't good enough to overcome bad shots. And they took them, and they continue to take them. When their best offense is a 6'10 forward who would score 29 points in back-to-back games. So they took, they took 31 shots in the first half, 17 of them were from the outside, including the first five of the game. With a guy that was coming into the game in the last three, averaging 26 and 16. What in the hell? How is that a strategy that you think is going to win you a game? And like I said, this was one of the weaknesses with Miami. I get that they were doing some things to try to keep the ball out of Baycott's hands. You have to counter that to get Armando open. They didn't do that. And, yeah, like you said, you shot yourself out of the game early on. You talked about Brady Manick. Brady Manick was two of eight from the field tonight. All those were from three. We saw him earlier in the season on the block. And there were some encouraging things that he did. Where did that go? Why is he not trying to get post position? Why is he now settling for outside shots only? And even, even Dawson Garcia, same thing. One of four, all of them from three. So you're two big men. At the four spot, granted, they're guys that can stretch the floor. They did not take a single shot inside of the three-point arc. I mean, how do you not question that as somebody that watches basketball, let alone Tario basketball? That's, I mean, that is unreal. Don't care what system you run. The damn Golden State Warriors don't even do that. We're up to 17 laps now, by the way. Come on. Like, I, I, I just, that does, there is no way to defend that shot selection tonight. And if you do, 
then you're you're, you're just wrong. I, I don't know what else to tell you. Basketball is a simple game. And tonight, Carolina made it look as complicated and complex as they could on the offensive end. And defensively, they made the game look as easy as it could look. As I mentioned earlier, three players, 20 points or more for Miami. Wong, 25, 9 of 18, 5 of 8 from 3. Cameron McGusty, 20 points, 7 of 15, only 1 of 5 from 3. And then Wardenberg, 21 points, a career high. He was one off his career high in the first half. Carolina got torched defensively. And the box score wouldn't reflect that as just 46% shooting from the field. But those 13 of 28 three-pointers really did them in. It was the same problem we saw in Connecticut against Kentucky and Vegas where Carolina couldn't stay in front of the ball. The entire defense collapsed. Lo and behold, there were open Miami Hurricane uh, shooters spotted up behind the three-point line, and they were having a party. I don't really know. There's re- I, I could sit here and complain about need to play zone, need into full-court press or run a, a trap or do any of that. This is going to fall on deaf ears. Um, Hubert Davis thinks they're good enough to be a good defensive team in the half court. And oddly enough, I believe them because I've seen it, but I've seen it in the Dean E. Smith Center. I haven't seen it in any other road environment outside of Georgia Tech and Boston College, who are two bottom tier teams in the ACC. So it's just just another really disappointing performance from then defensively which brings us to Armando Baycott, who was the only highlight for Carolina tonight, an eighth straight double-double, 15 points, six of nine from the field. Hello, six of nine, just one of three in the first half, 12 rebounds. As I did mention, he had the four turnovers. But the biggest story is that Carolina's down 25, 28 points late in the second half. He gets tangled up going for a loose ball and falls on his butt and has to leave the game, which brings us to why was he even on the court? Furthermore, outside of him, why did the same starting five, not named Armando Baycott, start the second half? How how have we watched this team do this three times this year? You can go four if you want to count Notre Dame at times as well. And there hasn't been a moment of frustration where you are not putting in your two freshmen and the blue squad players and just letting them play for three to four minutes. I don't understand that because the guys that you're putting on the court, they're not giving you the best effort. I'd rather lose with five guys that I know for 40 minutes are going to peak or they're going to go, they're going to compete for their hardest than one guy, one of the five guys trying and the other four just going through the motions. Hubert Davis said in the post game that Armando Baycott is fine. He expects him to be healthy to, to play on Saturday night at, at Wake Forest. But what if he wasn't healthy? What if he isn't healthy? Yeah, it doesn't that was matter. coaching malpractice. You were asking for that to happen. And it, it almost happened. 
Yeah, it does, doesn't matter. doesn't matter. No, no, in no circumstance did it make sense to have him on the court at that point. You had already been down by 30 multiple times. This is just like the case the other night where you were up by 30 and you still had the guys in the game. Doesn't really make a whole lot of sense here because, I mean, yeah, he's still going to contest shots. Stuff like that can happen. You weren't coming back and winning this game. It was pretty obvious at halftime. It was even more obvious by that point of the game. Why not get some other guys in the game? Now, the only argument that you can make about the big guys is, look, you've got three guys. None of your other guys are going to play. But my counter argument to that is, well, look at the fact that none of your three big men right now have been in COVID protocols yet. Mm-hmm. You could run into a situation where one of those three guys, maybe multiple, could be in the health and safety protocols at a time during the year. Don't you want to have some sort of preparation for if that ends up happening? I know it's not the most ideal situation, but don't you want to see if any of your walk-ons have anything that would give you some sort of confidence to even play them for a few minutes in a situation like that? And, yeah, there, it's it just – it, it drives me nuts the fact that there is no, no, no player on this team, clearly, I guess, that Hubert Davis looks to and feels like he can put that guy into this game and it can sort of send a message because none of the guys that came onto the floor tonight really seemed like they were able to send that message. Um. You know, he was probably too late in the game when he put Styles or Dunn in the game. But, I, I mean, maybe Justin McCoy was supposed to be that guy. There was just not that guy. I mean, Roy Williams had that guy, it seemed like, every year. And I know that guy wasn't always the most successful player, wasn't always the most talented player. But this is a team that really needs that type of guy to come onto the floor and and, and to show, hey, you guys aren't playing the way we want to tonight. You need to wake up. This is a team that could really use that guy where the last two teams, it didn't really matter. And they just don't have that guy. And 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 right now it's hard. Maybe that, I think, and I mean, you said it late in the game, maybe that guy's Puff Johnson. And maybe that needs to be his role going forward. But I, I – I, I don't really know. This team is 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 still pretty thin, rotation wise, and it's definitely hurting them at this point in the season. Yeah, they're they're left with a lot of questions and not a whole lot of answers, and they've got a really difficult stretch that that awaits them starting Saturday. You play. Or it was today. You you play five games in the next eleven days. That's that's a lot of games, and you've got to you got to start stacking wins. If because I mean the 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 funny thing is is your NCAA tournament seating is going to vary day to day, game to game, week to week. The ACC isn't tough. There's not a lot of chances to get a lot of marquee wins. This game wasn't even going to be a quad one win if you got it. 
and you squandered an opportunity. So they've they've got to go back to the drawing board and they've they've got to figure some things out if they really want to be the type of team that they're capable of being. And I think that's where the frustration ultimately sets in for us as Tar Heel fans is that they've put it on the court a couple of times this year. They can play this game. They can play this game at a high level and they can do it against really good teams. But you got to get to that point where it's night in, night out, where it doesn't matter who, when, where, what time, you're going to go play basketball. And until that happens, you're going to go through this same three-year up and down stretch where it's good one day and who knows the next. And that's just a really difficult place to be as a fan. It's got to be difficult for the players and it's got to be difficult for the coaches. We were going to have a general discussion topic. We're going to save that for Wake Forest. Maybe when we've cooled down and cooler heads have prevailed. So this By is the way, can up. I say one more thing here? You got it. I think that this is one of those games where everybody can kind of just admit to themselves. You miss Roy Williams. And I put that tweet out earlier with the hashtag, I miss Roy. Do not take this as something towards – Hubert Davis. This is not saying Hubert Davis is a terrible coach or a bad coach. It's just these are the types of games where, as a fan, you felt like when they went to Roy and you could see his outward frustrations, it was almost therapeutic because he, you know, was basically – an on-court representation of what you were doing at your house. You know, I know, look, if you think that Hubert Davis doesn't care, I saw people saying that tonight. Come on, people. that's, That's not true. He's a guy that played at this university. He's a guy that's been here as a coach. He's been around this program for more than 30 years. This guy clearly cares about the university. He clearly cares about the success of this team. And there's no way that he is just looking and saying, ah, you know, whatever. I don't really care. It's just with Roy, that intensity, that fire on the sideline was always a little bit comforting because it just felt like he was sharing in that anger with you about the performance in this game. I just wanted to say that from my perspective. I don't know how others feel about it, but, uh, you know, this this is one of those games where it really makes you think I, I, I miss Roy Williams a little bit. Yeah, I'll just follow that up by y'all know how I feel about Roy Williams. And I think y'all are starting to know how I feel about Hubert Davis. That is going to wrap up this edition of the Four Corners Podcast. Before we let you go, do you want to get to the website, HeelToughBlog.com. There will be coverage on the website of this Miami game. We'll break it down, tell you the good, the bad, and the ugly. And, this, and later this week, we'll be getting you ready for Wake Forest as Carolina is back on the road for another big-time ACC matchup. Football side of things, we're in the off-season mode. you got weekly storylines. You've got coaching news, transfer portal, all that stuff that's coming up or that's going to happen on the football side of things, Anthony will keep you covered. As for the podcast, we're on the Basketball Podcasting Network. We host through Megaphone. You can find us on iTunes, Art Radio, Spotify, TuneIn, Google Podcasts, you name it, we're there. Give us a like, a review, but most importantly, do hit that subscribe button. That way you don't miss any of our yelling, the good or the bad yelling, of the Carolina basketball season. 
throughout the rest of the 2021-22 campaign. Well, this is going to wrap up this edition of the Four Corners Podcast. I want to thank Anthony for hosting with me over Zoom. I want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels. The Four Corners Podcast is a proud member of the Basketball Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter at HoopsPodNet or visit our website, www.thebasketballpodcastnetwork.com to find the best basketball podcast. Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time.